Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett. fished across each other for years on the Salmon River without a formal introduction. In this episode, we're going to talk to Kevin McKay to learn more about him and what it's like to live off the grid in Maine while being a UPS driver and fly fishing guide. This is episode 256 in the 11th year of the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. Major thanks goes out to Owen Linlithgow Connor and his brother Marshall Connor who drove down from Fredericksburg and helped me out on Saturday at the Fly Fishing and Wine Festival. We had a great crowd on Saturday, and they were a big help, so I was able to talk to podcast listeners, customers, and just talk fishing with anybody that walked by. I want to thank the podcast listeners that brought me a bottle of bourbon. Unfortunately, I told my wife about it, so now I've got to share it. It was also great to meet some new people. Give Spangler Fly Fishing a follow on Instagram. On this podcast, we're going to learn about Kevin McKay, of MainFlyFish.com, and you can find him on Instagram at Maine Fishing Adventures. Be sure to stop by one of the booths that he'll be at at either the Marlboro or Edison Fly Fishing Shows in January of 2020. Give him a fist bump. Tell him you heard about him on the podcast. Are you wearing shorts today? Uh, no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, Kevin, let's get started. You want to introduce yourself? Tell us where you are literally and figuratively right now. Uh, my name is uh, Kevin McKay. I am sitting outside a Dunkin' Donuts, Dover Foxcroft, Maine. I own Maine um, Fishing Adventures. I'm, I'm a master Maine guide, fly fishing guide. A master Maine guide in Maine is you can fish, you can hunt, fish, and wreck, but I don't do any of that. I'm also a UPS driver. That is why I'm sitting at a Dunkin' Donuts, so I'm closer to work 
so I can uh, have more time to do this podcast. Excellent. All right, so Kevin, do you have a celebrity doppelganger that those listening out there in their cars or wherever they are today could picture you while they're driving or listening? So it's funny that, so I've been, uh, as a UPS driver, I do remote area, so I'm, I do like 200 miles a day. What? So I, what? Yeah, so I download uh, different podcasts. So the last two days, I've been listening to all your podcasts, um, trying to just to see what your questions are. And I knew that was a question that would be coming. So I text my girlfriend yesterday. I, I asked her what she thought, because I don't think I have a look alike. And she said a skinny Vin Diesel. That was uh, Stace's uh, suggestion, because I am bald. So You are taller I, than him, hopefully. Isn't he like five foot four? Uh, yeah, I'm six foot, so Whoa. yeah, I'm taller. Thinner. And I believe we have technically fished together, but on the other side of the river from each other. At Salmon River? Yeah. Probably. I'm pretty sure, because you guys are there November-ish when we're there, so I'm pretty sure you guys do the, the lower fly. Do a low, lower fly a lot, and it's either I'm either with Stace and a couple other people or my son. Yeah. Yeah, we fished together up there, I'm pretty sure. We've been across the river. And are you a native to Maine? I, I'm, yeah, I've never lived anywhere else. I was born, well, I say that. My dad was um, a Vietnam vet. He, so he was, I think he was in Vietnam for a year, um, and he was stationed down by you. And uh, I was born in Frederick, Maryland. Hey, not far off. Yeah, not far. No, and then... I think when I was one, they, he got out of the army and uh, came back to Maine. He built a house in Herman, Maine, and that's where I grew up. And now they live in Carmel, Maine, which is basically the next town over. And I am now living on the river in Howland, Maine. Um, so I live on the Penobscot River. If we're going to throw a dart at Maine to hit that spot, where would it be? Uh, most people either know... Portland, Maine, or Bangor, Maine. Portland is kind of like a small version of Boston. A lot of really good eateries, a lot of good striper fishing. Bangor, Maine, people have to travel through Bangor to get to Bar Harbor. A lot of people know Bar Harbor. So I am 30 minutes north of Bangor. Your accent isn't as thick. Everyone always jokes that it's Bahaba. But you actually pronounce it a little little more in depth. Yeah, I I don't have that down east Maine accent. That uh, most most a lot of people have, which is pretty cool when you when you do come across someone like that. A lot of I'm well, how old am I? Forty nine. A lot of like the older generation, that you know, they have that accent, which is kind of neat. We were up there once years ago. Actually, I've been to Maine twice, and the, it was the term like a yut <laughs> instead of like yes or like a yut. Hey. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe is that it? Something like that. Yeah. Right. I don't. I don't say that. And also in Maine, do you have a camp? Everyone we we hung out with had a camp, like a separate little cabin for the weekends for fishing and hunting. So I live in my camp. Even better. So, <laughs> so I, so I was building. Uh, um, I was building this camp for to put clients in. Had some life changes, so I end up moving into the camp. So I, I decided I didn't want to, uh, didn't have a, have a mortgage anymore. 
Uh, and so I actually live in a camp. Stace and I live in the camp. It's it's kind of a house. I mean, but it's for most people, it's it's a camp. It's I think what is it, 24 by 28. Um, has a loft, kitchen, living room, two bedrooms. But yeah, so but yeah, we live off the grid. So every morning I go out and I have to start a generator. Wow. Um, Indoor plumbing. Yeah. Oh yeah, we have indoor plumbing, um, but we draw our water from the river. So like right now we don't have running water, and everyone's like, "Oh my god!" It, it, it's it sounds worse to everyone else. Um, for us, it's you know it's no big deal. I have four five-gallon jugs that I fill up. You know, like I got two in the back of my vehicle right now, and I'll, I'll fill them up at the UPS building. And we have flushing toilets. If we do bathe at home, it's a sponge bath, which is shocking how much water we actually use when we shower because I can take a sponge bath with a gallon of water. But when I, you know, when you take a shower, it's, I don't know how many gallons you use, but you stand in there for a long time. When I'm taking a sponge bath, it's quick and let's get out. Um, but what we do for running water and showering and bathing is we join a gym. So every, on a daily basis, we are at the gym. So it forces us to work out. Work out. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's good. Um, summertime is great. We have solar. So we have, I have a very basic solar system, probably again, cause I'm pretty cheap. Um, that's again, why we have no well and no electricity, but I, I've been there. I've been in debt up to my eyeballs. I prefer not to be cause then, you know, you have a lot more choices when you, you're not in debt up to your eyes. Absolutely. But, but so we have solar, we have, uh, what do we have? I think six batteries, four solar panels. Um, this time of year, it doesn't really, it doesn't work. So we just run everything off a generator. Uh, summertime, it's great. If we're showering, we'll use a generator. Like when, so we have clients come with us. I give free lodging to clients. It's kind of unheard of. We built a bunkhouse that sleeps four people, and so we save the solar for at nighttime. Um, a lot of people have those um, sleeping devices. I don't know, I can't remember what they're called. But CPAPs. Yeah, CPAPs, and uh, so I make sure we have solar all night long, um, so it's good. Fantastic. That's a pretty cool lifestyle. It is. I mean, we enjoy it. Like I said, everyone's always like, when you get in running water, when you when you get in a well, you know, when you get in power hooked well, up. Our we friend Zach grew up in New Hampshire. I think it was New Hampshire or Connecticut with nothing. Like, the, the dad built the house. It was 25 by 25. They had no kitchen. They had a little uh, cooler or dorm fridge. And he said in the morning, he'd have to tap the top of his aquarium to break the ice so he could feed his goldfish, which lived for 18 <laughs> years because half the year was in suspended animation. Really? And then their dog, something happened, and they had to get one of those like homemade wheelchairs for it, like the wheels yep. on the back. So the dad just <laughs> cut a new front door yeah. into the house and just... Yeah, he had a pretty pretty crazy growing up. He said his ear doesn't work because uh, it's cold at night. Like, for, really? damaged his eardrum. Probably ear infections. Yeah, that's Zach for you. Well, we have uh, so we have a refrigerator. It's everything's propane. So we have um, a yodel. It looks like a wood stove, but it's a gas wood wood stove. It's gas. We have a Renai hot water heater for the summertime. So that's gas gas refrigerator. Um, so. I mean, it, it's it's like normal living, except for everything's run off a generator. Yeah. Awesome. So how did you get into all of this, being a, sort of a Maine mountain man, dude? Yeah, I don't know about a Maine mountain man. Uh, 
Um, I mean, I always like as a kid, like growing up, my my parents would we'd always go camping, fishing. My dad loved to troll. I mean, I grew up pretty much going to Joe Mary Lake. That's my my childhood going to Joe Mary Lake. I remember catching you know the the bait fish off the beach and building you know um, little traps and putting the bait fish in it and always fascinated by fish and always went fishing but my dad loved to troll and i always liked to cast but i would i would fish with him and always dreamt of you know this adventure you know like remote pond fishing but i really didn't know you know just finding these places to go fishing but i never grew up that way and my dad really never did always want to try bass we'd always go once a year we always did a little brook with um i remember i can't remember the name of the brook right now but in carmel they live now there was a, a small brook and we'd go over there and you had to have you know the whoopee will whoop, what they call whoopee wills the the size of a mouse's ear we'd go over and fish for brook trout with a worm and a spinner and that was always fun and then sometimes we'd actually hike down the brook and that was always exciting but i remember i was in my 20s and I stopped, I went over to my parents' house. My dad was sitting there looking at um, L.L. Bean catalog and an Orvis catalog. I remember the um, good old days. This time of year, January, when all <laughs> those catalogs would come in the mail. It's still exciting. I mean, I mean, I, I, I frequent, I try to do everything as much as I can with local fly shops. But I always like getting those, the, like the fly shop will send that big catalog. Yeah. I just got the and, Jay Stockard one the other day. That's a nice yeah, one. I, just got that one and then you you know you go through and then you go to your fly shops and you know i, I mean I just, that's how i use their catalogs it's probably not how they want you to use their catalogs but and they were looking at like i said i'm like what what are you doing he's like well a guy at work talks about this remote pond that has monster brook trout in it and he fly fishes and he said he'll take me if you know i get a fly rod and he and he said at the time ella bean down in ellsworth which is on the way to bar harbor they were having a 50% off sale. So I'll go with you. So I went down and I bought a, a streamlight reel and rod had, had never fly fished before. I think I picked up the whole thing for like 70 bucks line and everything. And at that time I was loading trucks at UPS and the guy that I was loading trucks for, and I'd chat with him and he said he fly fished. And he goes, I'll take you fly fishing. I'll take you April 1st. Because Maine, Maine's season uh, is kind of, typically it's April 1st to September 30th. That's our season for our, really our wild fisheries. And then there's an extended season. Like I could go fishing today on my run if I wanted to stop and fish. But it'd be brutally cold. And so April 1st, he's like, I'll take you, I'll take you fly fishing. I'm like, great. Dad, kind of going way back as a kid. I remember going to a conservation club and my dad learning to tie flies, even though he never really got into fly fishing, he was using them to troll. I went and dug that kid out that winter, started trying to tie flies, trying to, um, there was a local fly shop trying to go in there. He was kind of gruff because I really didn't know what I was doing. And then I went fly fishing for the first time, April 1st on the West branch of the Penobscot. And he made me meet him at one o'clock in the morning. It was a two-hour drive, and it, it didn't make it. Now it really doesn't make any sense. But we get there because he thinks that there's going to be a lot of people. That's what his kind of like he was thinking Salmon River yeah. on the West Branch. Get there before dawn. <laughs> right. Back. Yeah. So we get there, and it's like no one because it's stupid. It's snow. He goes, do this, this, and walks away down river and leaves me there. 
And so I'm casting away, casting away. He, he comes back. It starts snowing. He comes back probably, I don't know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes later. He goes, let me check your fly. I had no fly on there. I had lost it in the snowbank, in the snow. Continued to tie flies. Never went fishing again. He took me again. I think it was sometime in May. Same deal. Meet me at 1 o'clock in the morning at my house. We'll drive two hours to the West Branch. We get there. We're sitting in the dark with his friend. And I could hear splashing. It had been mid. It had been mid May, and it was splash, splash, splash. And I'm like, I'm like, what's that? He goes, that's that's fish, rising, jumping out of the water. And I'll never forget when the sun came up. Landlocked salmon were flying out of the water, chasing mayflies. And I'm like, this is this is it. This is what I've been looking for. And from that time on, I went every single weekend. Every Saturday, I went fly fishing, and that was my thing to do. And then I, I was started helping. You know, I did that for a couple of years, and I was fishing all over the state. And at that time, I was – it was fine. It was the beginning of the Internet. I mean, it was hard to find information. So I started a website called the themainflyfishjournal.com, which is no longer in existence. But what it was, it was like a blog. So I would – go to the West Branch and say the water temperature was this, the water flow was this. I used this fly, caught five fish, just trying to help people because I, I thought I, it was hard for me to find information, and I didn't know a lot of people that fly fished other than, you know, that UPS driver and then a couple other people along the way would, you know, I found that fly fished, but there was no information out there. And the, my local fly shop, he was a great guy, but he was gruff. He was just, you know, he scared you when you walked in there. So I started that, then Maine Fishing Journal returned into MainFlyFish.com, which is still in existence today. It's a big information website with a forum. And then I didn't know what guiding was because, you know, we could never afford a guide. I've never really heard much about guides. And that was by chance. An ex-brother-in-law had a bunch of friends that um, worked on Wall Street, and I was talking to him on the phone, and... I was telling him about fly fishing, and he said, well, you know, we should bring him up and go fishing with you. I'm like, yeah, that would be great. Let's do it. Come up, stay at my house, have some beers. And he said, well, you know they're going to want to pay you. And I'm like, pay me to fish? Heck yeah. I'm like, I, I said, I don't even know. You don't need to do that. And then I got looking into it. And, you know, and I went for my main guy's license. And Maine is one of the hardest by what I'm told is one of the hardest in the country to get your guide's license. We don't even have it in Virginia. There's, really? You just want to be a guide. They're like, oh, okay. Really? That's it. Yeah. That's not mean. Back when it's even harder now, I think. When I went for my guide's license, you had, so you have to, I mean, you still do. You have to do map and compass. Um, so there's a sequence you, you set in front of a panel of wardens. Wardens, and back then it was main guides. So it'd be like, Two, guy, two wardens, two guides, or three wardens, one guy, you know, something like that. There was, it was like a selected panel. And so you would do a written test, and you still do it, and it was like 200 questions. If you got past that, and it was all like like the law book. So say I'm going for my fishing guy's license. I got to know like all the general laws by heart of the law book. And so you do this, this, and then I don't know what's in there now, but there might be some like, you know, you have a lost person type deal and you'd have to answer the questions there. So you get past that 
Then you go and do map and compass. So you, they, they put, you got to do true north and magnetic north, and they'll get you, give you a starting point, and then they'll say, you know, at the outlet of this lake, you need to, you know, go to the inlet of this lake and then come back. You know, you got to do like three points of something. And so you need to know how to read a, a topographical map. So you do that and you can only be off by so much. I don't remember what it was. And if you get past that, then you would do a lost person scenario. Uh, my scenario was, we'll say it's, we'll say Joe Mary Lake. Um, you're at Joe Mary Lake guiding, you're canoeing across with clients. You stop to have lunch. One of the clients says they need to go pee. So they wander off to go use the bathroom. Then half an hour, he hasn't come back. You go looking for him. You can't find him. You come back. So what do you do? So in a scenario like that, you're going to make that other client stay where he is, gather firewood, build a fire, and that's his job. Do not move from this spot. You're, you're going, so then they'll show, like you're looking at this map, my map showed a, a hiking trail around this whole lake. So what's your first instinct? Oh, he just, he's following the hike, hiking trail. But I also had a friend that was a warden and he told me that all, all the people they find that are lost, they are downhill and usually in a swamp because swamps are usually at the bottom of, of hills. And so in my case, there was a swamp. So I followed the swamp down and that's, you know, where I found my, my lost person. Once you get past that, then they go through fish identification and then they'll, you know, go through the law book and give you just randomly throw out questions on general laws. Or they'll say, okay, you're at, I always go back to Joe Mary Lake. It's easy. It's a general, um, Joe Mary Lake. What's the law on brook trout at Joe Mary Lake? So you need to be able to take a law book, look up Joe Mary Lake, go through and do the S4, S7, whatever it is, and know if you can keep one fish, two fish, the length. It might be fly fishing only. It might be catching me, you know, might be barbless. So, and, and then. Pretty in depth. Yeah, and if you get through all that, then you get your license. And, and now Maine has, there's no master Maine guides anymore. I was the last group to go through that test. And back then, the master main guide was you had to pass wreck fishing and hunting, and you became a master main guide. I, I had done my fishing and wreck, so all I had to do was hunting, took that, pass that. So I was, and that was the, the very last time that you were allowed to become a master main guide. And now you can become a master fishing guide, master hunting guide, master wreck guide, but you have to do. Back what I, what I remember was, it could be changed now, but it was like, say, 10 years, so many hours. You had to document all your hours, how many hours you'd guided to be a, a, a master fishing guide, master wreck guide, master hunting guide. And, and I think it's just more of a title. I don't think it really means anything. Um, but, you know, mean. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com.
Maine has a huge history of Maine guides. Our, you know, with, you know, there's, you know, in the industry right now, you know, there's a lot of um, trying to get women into the industry. The cool thing about Maine, as far as I know, Maine, Maine's first guide was a female, Fly Ride Crosby, which is kind of neat. She used to go around and do sportsman shows for the state, trying to get people to, to come to the state. And then you also have the woman from the Rangeley Lakes area, another famous tire, Carrie, Carrie Stevens. Ste- right. Yeah. Women are big history up there. And well, if you if you go back to the start of where did where did fly fishing start in the United States? Catskills. Well, that's where uh, it became famous. It's where it became famous, uh, and I, I could be wrong. Don't I mean you could do the research after I after I say this, and you can edit it out. But <laughs> fly rods, F. B. Thomas, pain rods. I did a, if you go, I did a, I was started to do it, but it never, I never went anything anywhere with it called the journal. Everyone has a story. Effie Thomas, Thomas fly rods, not, not Thomas and Thomas, but Thomas rods, bamboo rods was started in Brewer, Maine. And those two pain, I think it's pain, which they, he was in either New York, I think those two. So Effie Thomas worked with pain. And if you go back and watch that, I interview. I did an interview with uh, the owner of Fu Thomas now, which is he's a UPS driver actually, and he those two split, and um, Fu Thomas came back to Maine and Brewer and started that bamboo fly rod company, and then the other, I think it was Payne, was started somewhere in New York, and then back then it was it was like an assembly line, the way they made bamboo fly rods. So the only people that really knew how to make the, the fly rods was Effie Thomas and Payne. So you, you had like one guy that knew how to split the bamboo and that's all he knew how to do. So it was kind of like a secret. It was kind of neat. It was a cool interview. Nice. All right. What else we have for famous? Famous fly tires up that way? Besides Carrie Stevens. Any old, like, the, the Atlantic Salmon people from way back in the day? Yeah, they're around. I mean, Striper a lot of them. Fishermen. There's a lot. Well, there's a lot of fly tires. I mean, those, I mean, Maine, the thing is, is and again, why I started Maine Fly Fish is because to promote Maine, uh, you know, Maine is, it doesn't, you know, on the in the world of fly fishing, you don't, it doesn't get recognition a lot, but. You know, you go to Rangeley, Maine, and still today we have Labrador-sized brook trout. You know, I just caught a 42-inch muskie this year in Maine. You've got quite the diversity of species up there. Do you yeah, want to go wild. through all the different things you could come across? I'll, I'll try. Um, I mean, we have a lot of wild species. We have we have a small population of wild rainbow trout on the Kennebec. Um, they actually manage them for wild. Now, are um, those salters? Nope. No, no, they're not. Um, no, that would be. I wouldn't be driving to New York if we had uh, steelhead in Maine. We have we have an incredible uh, striper fishery. I'll just I'll kind of come up the state. So we have, we have an incredible uh, striper fishery in southern Maine. Maine Maine fishing adventures. I kind of I have guides all over the state. It kind of developed over the last two years where I have guides that do trips for me. You know, you have the, out of Portland, Casco Bay area, um, and south of that, you have the York, um, Kittery area, which is phenomenal, stripers, um, a lot of on-foot stuff, a lot of stuff you can do it yourself, 
some exceptional guides as you kind of, I'll, I'll just kind of hit areas. Um, as you come up the state, you have Belgrades. Um, years ago, the Belgrades was known for brook trout and landlocked salmon, and that fishery is pretty much non-existent because there's northern pike in there. So I'll do spring, I'll do guided trips for northern pike down the Belgrades. Uh, the state does not manage for them. They don't manage for northern pike or muskie. Um, that's kind of another topic. But we have a my biggest northern pike in Maine is 39 and a half inches on a fly. My goodness. I've had clients break off bigger northerns. But the Belgrade area, the whole Belgrade system has um, phenomenal northern pike. They are invasive. I mean, the the muskie are invasive, and the and, and the pike are invasive. If you go west Maine, you have the Androscoggin's a cool fishery. Uh, that's over in Bethel. It kind of starts up in New Hampshire, I think, maybe, and then it comes down through Maine. Bethel is a beautiful area. I've they used to do a two fly over there, and that's a that's a stock fishery for the most part. They have rainbows and brook trout i don't think there's an, it could be browns i don't think there is any browns but there are browns scattered throughout uh, maine um as you go the, down the indiscoggin it turns into a smallmouth fishery um there's been many write-ups in different magazines about that fishery all the way in the indiscoggin dumps dumps in uh, i think down in biddeford and turns into a striper fishery so you, you get that as you you got the kennebec river which starts in the moosehead lake area which is a phenomenal fishery that's a mixed fishery. That's, they, they do stock that with brook trout, but there's wild brookies and wild salmon. There's a mixed fishery there. It's a tailwater. And then as you go down the Kennebec, it turns into, like, down through Solon, there's rainbows, there's brown trout, there's smallmouth bass, and then you continue down the river into Augusta. Then it turns into, there's some history there where they took out the Edwards Dam, and that, I don't remember how many years ago, but I think that was one of the first dams. 20 years in the ago? Yeah, it was one of the first dams in the country. We kind of, by what I know, we started, when they took that dam out, that started that process of taking dams out around the around the country, trying to, because they, they kind of went a different route. They had a, I don't even know if he's still alive, they had a lawyer involved, and he was, when, every, when they would come to relicensing, they would make them put fishways in. So that was kind of a loophole. Do they want to spend the money to put a fishway in? And so a lot of dams would come out because a fishway wouldn't be put in. But the Edwards Dam came out. Huge controversy between fishermen and conservation um, because you used to be able to go to the the mouth of that dam and catch monster stripers and monster brown trout. They took that dam out, opened up a lot more water going up river. So now these fish are scattered. So basically starting in, I think it's... Uh, Water, Hathaway Dam, I think it's Hathaway Dam. I think that's Waterville still. Um, from there down, it, it's it's tidal. When I was a UPS driver, my second year UPS driver, I would fish there every night for an hour and a half, hour and 20 minutes. That would be my lunch and breaks. And I would catch stripers, brown trout, and smallmouth bass. Was there a certain fly you would use to target uh, a species, or were they just, you could it, use it, one it, fly and you never knew it would hit it? No, I was fishing there, there was... It was, I met a guy in my run, he was Michael Booten, he was a fly tire, and uh, he tied a lot of flies for back then, fly fishing only, it no, no, no longer exists, was a great over shop, and he would tie flies with him and around the state, but I met him, and he would fish with me every night, 
and I remember standing there and there's a little island in the middle and the stripers would blow up and they would follow the bait fish around this little island. So once they got in front of you, you'd throw, you know, like a clouser or, a, you know, some type of bait fish pattern. I hooked a striper, you know, he hooked a, a big ass brown. So there was a brown in that mix with the stripers probably eating the bait that, you know, they were, you know, spitting up. They would be a black, I remember a black caddis hatch and I would just hike down river from there and just, and catch browns, you know, on black caddis. I haven't done that in years. Um, guiding is, I mean, my guiding's too busy now. So my, uh, my fishing is limited to either running up for muskie or I run to New York for the steelhead or I'll go to Florida and kind of, you know, try to do it on my own or with a, I have a buddy that guides in Jupiter and I at least do a day with him or a morning. You got to meet um, up with our buddy Thomas in, uh, in Jupiter. That's where his grandmother-in-law lives. Oh, really? Yeah. Apparently everyone yeah, golfs down there and no one fishes. He's got the place to himself. He probably knows my buddy Dino. I bet you, I mean, it's a small world. Yeah. But how yeah, far is, how far is your drive to Salmon River? I think it takes me um, nine and a half hours. Wow. My What I usually do is I'll work. So I'll, I'll I mean, do like. Driving for you is nothing then, right? I mean, you. You drive for a living? <laughs> right. I'll drive through the night. That's what we. That's how I do it, is whoever's with me will sleep. Meet at 1 I'll o'clock drive. in the morning at the house like when you were younger? What's that? Meet at 1 o'clock in the morning like on those first trips you used to take and then well, drive? I've always, well, UPS, I've always been – I've always done the local – the preload. So preload starts at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. So getting up early is really – I mean, this morning I was up at five. My alarm goes off at five. I don't have to be to work until ten thirty. But I get up. I do. I try to post. You know, now with Instagram, try to do something on Instagram. Try to do something on main fly fish. To try, you know, try to keep that forum active. Tie some flies. Go to the gym. Make it to work. Let's go, um, let's go back to the smallies. Yes, yeah. just a pretty big smallmouth on your Instagram. What's the, the yeah. fishery and technique, flies? Like, if we're going to pick one species to talk about, maybe in depth, you want to talk about the smallies? Because you catch regularly big ones where I might get one that size every five years when I'm out just by myself down here. It, I, I mean, the fishery is phenomenal. Penobscot, I think Field and Stream rated it one of the top ten in the country. That was years ago. It's... I mean, my I'll, I'll go with my. I'll kind of go through my season on the Penobscot. Yeah, uh, please do. My, so, I'll start. I tell people typically the end of May, just because of water flows, you don't you don't know what's going to happen. I've I've had a guy catch a twenty one inch smallie April eighteenth out there on a fly rod. Guy from Utah, uh, one of the fattest fish I've ever seen in my life. I thought you were um, going to see your client. <laughs> What's that? It almost sounded like you're about to go into the, you're the size of your client there. <laughs> it, it was just a huge smallie, and that was that was an interesting trip because I tried to talk him out of going to the Penobscot. I tried to talk him to go to uh, Grand Lake Stream in April, and but he convinced me to go to the river, and he got I think he he got like an 18 incher, a 19 incher, and then the last one was like 21, 22. No, it was 22 inches because it was at that time was the biggest one I've had seen. It was. And it was just fat. It was a monster. But typically, the end of uh, May, April, I'll, I'll fish myself. 
Um, I'll go out in the river and, and fish, but I, I hate to, if the river gets blown out because of runoff and snow and rain, I hate to take clients out. But into May, the, they'll start spawning. So you'll have a mix of fish. You'll have some on beds, some not on beds. In the river, I don't necessarily target them on beds. If we come across something, you know, that we see, then, but the water is, the, the, it's a brackish water. So it's not crystal clear. So you, it's, it's kind of hard. And if the water's up, you, you can't, you might know they're in a little cove, but you can't say, okay, there's, there's a bed there, hit that, hit the, you know, hit the bed and strip through it. You can't tip, typically do that. So I'll just cover water. And is know, this on hit foot the, or in a boat? No, this is a boat. boat. Sorry, I um, I own a um, eighteen six G three jet boat, uh, center console. That one I, I bought that new. I think last spring. I've always had a G three. Pretty much always had a G three jet. You have a casting platform on both ends. I run a trolling motor with a remote. I actually put actually had a. I bought from Hyde a uh, leading post. Um, so I drilled holes in the on the bow and. Uh, so people that are uncomfortable on their feet, because it's kind of kind of open. Leading to that um, pulpit. Yeah, and, you know, when I hit the trolling motor, and sometimes I don't necessarily, you know, you, you're fighting current because you're floating down river with the current. Sometimes you, you hit that, and you might go, I think it's going right, but it's going left, and people kind of, they'll stumble. And so I put that leaning post in, which is a nice feature. I've had, I have a guy that's been coming with me from day one, and he sits, he spins fish. For smallies and he sits down and I put that in and he, he you know he does like five six trips with me and he stands up the whole time now he's like in his 70s so from there you know May into June so June I'm running back and forth doing uh, trout and salmon and bass it's you know anywhere in the country it's you know it's it's good fishing in the June fish a lot of streamers the water will start getting lower um, the reason for the jet boat is you know typically you know I'll run from a foot of water you know, into 10 feet of water. You just never know with the river. So, and I don't see, it's very rare that I see people on the river. Um, there's other guides that I have do trips for me and they do stuff on their own. And, you know, I'll see them at boat launch put in and I won't see them all day. You know, I'll run up river, you know, 20 minutes. And, you know, a lot of them don't have jets or a lot of people don't have jets. So they stay down by the, the boat, the boat ramps. Um, cause there's a lot of deep water, good fishing, but I don't, I don't have to fish with a lot of people. Um, you go into June, you'll start, we'll, the fish will start looking up, you know, we'll start throwing poppers. Um, you know, I use a lot of black and yellow poppers, um, sometimes green, orange has worked. You have a preference uh, for, are you a foam guy, cork, balsa, deer hair? Yeah, I use that. I used to use, what are they called? Bugle bugs. They're a great the company. Google Bugs, yeah, that's that's a six pack on a hook, basically with the price. Yeah, yeah, um, but I switched over to Flymen, those um, God, double bear poppers. God, those things, I should be getting a whole shipment of those tomorrow. I it's just so easy to tie with those. They're so lightweight oh, and yeah. instructable. And they and the pop is yeah. like I use like the not the smallest one, the next one up, and I think number what, number six. You just do a little pop, and they just. Bloop. I love that popper. And I tie it, my go-to is black and, and blue. That's pretty much where the, they don't make a yellow. I wish they made a yellow yellow. Um, they make a, like a chartreuse, greenish chartreuse one. It's Kermit. I'm looking at um, him on my wall. Yeah. 
I know that's probably for the frog, but I, I'd want a, I want a yellow, yellow, those two colors. But the black and blue, um, I do like a marabou, uh, blue tail, blue legs, black hackle. And that's a great damselfly. I mean, so you roll into July and the damselflies will start hatching. And I mean, that's just the fish are everywhere. A lot, a lot of my fishing as I fish the banks, a lot of the times I'll look to, I'll look to rise and fish, you know, I mean, I'm always looking around. I mean, you, as a guide, you know, you, you're always looking. If I see these, if I start seeing dimples, I'm in the middle of the river, then we'll go in the middle of the river and I'll, and I'll fish my biggest smallies come on a dead drift so when i started fly fishing it was all trout and when i got my guy's license that's all i thought i was going to do was trout and salmon so when i started doing the the smallies i treated the smallmouth a lot like i did trout and salmon so you know i throw out mend the line and just and drift it like a, a dry fly and to date the biggest fish that i've caught other than that one on the streamer in april the biggest fish are on like a dead drift dry fly what I, what I find is if you get, and it's exciting, you throw a popper out and it just explodes. You know, it's just, it blows up and you miss it. And a lot of times people think, oh my God, that was a big one. It, what it was, was, it was a pack. It was a pack of five fish. Ooh. So, so I sight fish a lot. For it? The, yeah, so you throw out, so... And, and I've watched this, and I know this because I'm constantly looking and watching. You know, you'll you know you throw it. You know, you're just blind casting to the bank. But I'm always looking down the river, and I'm and I'll be like, okay, here comes three, and you'll throw it. You'll lead them. You, you know, they're they're just cruising the bank looking for food, and they'll just accelerate. And the three of them will chase it at the same time and explode. And also, I'll watch as someone's bringing in the fly. They'll have the fish on, and they're bringing it in, and you'll see the fish the other two trying to take the fly out of its mouth and you can you in your rod you can almost feel it because you'll be fighting it and then there'll be a surge because the you know because they're trying to take the fly out of the fish's mouth i mean we have the, the penobscot has a lot of fish it i always tell people it's our version of montana you know where we can go out a slow day a friend of mine one of my clients just wrote a, a book you might have seen on instagram and he he, he said he said we had caught over 20 fish, and it was a so-so day. You know, you know, in the first time I think it took him, we probably caught 60 or 70 fish. The the best day on the river, well, at one point the best day was 121 fish, because once you get once you start getting count, you know, you get counting people like let's just see how many we can catch, and that was all in top water. Um, and then the next one went to, I think, 125 smallies. And then this past year, I think it, I think he stops it at 140, 140 fish. And that's just floating. That's, that's not like that's multiple, ridiculous. you know, catching, that's not catching the same fish over and over again. Is uh, there a fish you would catch while doing that, that would surprise you? Do you have invasives up there? Uh, I imagine the water's probably too cold for exotics to live. On the well, on the Penobscot, it's it's interesting. So when you when you say invasive, you mentioned the, the pike. Well, the pike are invasive, but they've but they've been in they've been in the Belgrade since the seventies. Okay, so so at this point they've kind of taken over. 
Uh, I don't mean to jump jump all over the place, but so they've been in the so now they've kind of taken over. So you know, at this point, you're not getting rid of the the pike down there. So a, a lot of us think we should just manage it for them, create a fishery down there. In the Penobscot, the smallies have been I don't I mean the '60s probably, if not longer. They've been in the Penobscot. They've been there a long time. They they kind of manage for them, but they don't. They don't. I mean they don't protect that fishery, but I don't know how many people come from all of, I have guys, I have guys that fly in from Michigan. They come in, they stay with me for three days and we do three days of just smallmouth fishing. And Michigan has incredible fishing, you know, for smallies. But in Pushaw stream that dumps into the Penobscot, somehow Northern Pike got in there. And I'm on the river a lot. I haven't had anyone catch a northern pike out while bass fishing, but I've heard stories where push off stream comes into the Penobscot, you know, northern pike being caught. I've seen one, I think, come out of the out of some weeds one time. It was, you know, it was under 30 inches. It was pushing 30 inches. It was a big fish. Kind of shocked me. That scooted out of the out of the the weeds as I was, you know, throwing poppers for smallies. But that, I mean, that would be. You know, kind of cool. Another thing, I mean, on in the world stage of conservation, Atlantic salmon, main Atlantic salmon is is kind of uh, that's out there, and they're on the endangered species list now. Um, we took out a dam in VZ last year. I had a one of my friends from that now lives in Maine, but from Florida, we were awaiting um, the Penobscot, and he hooked a Atlantic salmon on a mudlam minnow. And he said that he's caught a lot of saltwater fish and he's never had a fish put him in a backing so fast. And it was probably a 30 inch Atlantic and he lost it. That got to upset that, him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that was before they put him on the endangered species list. And I had a client this year catch one. We were, it was that week of that end of May. So the water was up. He was fishing at throwing. We we're, floating the shore he threw into an eddy where you know they're going to set the smallies going to set to get out of the current and he it was we're fishing just a crystal woolly bugger and he um hooked something and it was silver you know what is it under 24 inches it's a landlocked salmon i mean this was probably 16 inches but it's in the penobscot you know it could be an atlantic it's i've only in i've been guiding up there 17 years i had one brook trout caught that I had that one small. Well, my my friend caught hooked the Atlantic, didn't land it, and then this year that small Atlantic was caught. But other than that, you catch on the Penobscot when you're smallmouth fishing. Um, you can get up to probably 18 inch chubs, fall fish, big pickerel on occasion. A lot of people call them deduct fish. So if you, if they're counting, I've, I used to have a group that would come and deduct. Get it deduct. Yeah. Yeah, take a point off um, for pickerel, but pickerel are cool fish if you target them um, in the spring when they're spawning. I mean, I mean, I hit, what was last year? We got one 24 inches. I mean, that's a big. That's I mean, big fish anywhere. What kind you know? of setup would you say is average for up there for when you're solo fishing for fun or when you've got clients on the boat? What I recommend to clients is anywhere from a six to eight weight, which eight weight I think is overkill, but I have a lot of older people. Um, and it's a little bit easier for them to throw the eight weight, you know, the smaller fly, a heavier line, they throw it. I fish with a, 
I'm on Scott Flyward Pro Staff, um, so I fish, uh, you know, obviously all Scots, and I use a six weight Radian, a fighting butt, and that's the Radians are a phenomenal rod. I don't know if you've tried them at the shows that you've done or not, but it. Uh, I use that, and I I'm, I'm with Airflow, and I use their Bass Musky line. Or I use their redfish line. I'm kind of they were out of the bass musky a couple of years ago, and they sent me the redfish line, and that is a really cool line for smallies. No uh, issues um, with colder water up there in a redfish line. I don't, I don't typically get where it's super cold. I mean, you think of like Maine right now, it's cold. Yeah, if it's the 25 here today, Northern Virginia. What's it up there? 10, 10 today. Ooh, my goodness. And I and I I'm going north of where I am right now, and it's going to be even colder. I, I, I deliver packages in Moosehead, so so not only do I guide up in those rivers on foot in the fall, but I also deliver my packages, so I could fish every day on my lunch if I wanted to. And when does short season end for you? Meaning with uh, the fishing? Brown, or? No, the brown shorts. Oh, my shorts? A short season. Well, it depends on how it is, you know. I don't know, what, September into October, maybe. And then down here, people are always saying, oh, poor you, UPS driver. You have no air conditioning in the summer. Up there, do so, you need air conditioning to be a UPS driver? Or is it just nice having the doors open all day? So this is, I, I've been, I, you sent me that in, uh, that question, and and I've, I've heard it a lot on my run because last, the last year there's been a big thing about AC and UPS trucks, right? It would all leak out when the doors are open. Well, I've been a UPS driver for, I've been a UPS for, I think this is my 27th year at UPS. So before they were uh, public. Yes. Nice. That's a whole nother story there. They, uh, so I part-time for seven years. So I've been driving close to 20 years. I've never had AC. Can you trail a boat behind your my my truck, if I wanted to, I probably could because I drive a four-wheel drive Dodge pickup truck with a box on the back. Because I go, all I do is all I do is remote stuff. So I live I live remote. I fish remote. I I work remote. Um, you like, would lose I, it if you came down to where I live, with just how I've, unremote this place is. I've been through it. I because we drive to Florida sometimes, so I, I end up actually making a wrong turn and drove right through. DC at 4 a.m., which was kind of cool because there was no one on the streets and I got to see everything. But I never, I just drive through. I never stopped long enough to to go see all any of the monuments. Well, if you but, got time uh, next time, you'll stop and we'll go fish by the monuments. That would be cool. DC license for you would be six bucks. That's cheap. You I think you can't I beat think, that. Out of state is 13 for the year. See, I think here's 30 for out of state. Maybe 20, 20, I don't know. What is it? Maybe 50 for a year, maybe 25 for seven days. I think they only do seven days. Like I, I bought, like when I go to New York, I just buy a year because I end up going two or three times. But, but yeah. Where were we? We were talking remote oh, drop-offs and air conditioning. Oh, AC, back to AC. So I'm never in my UPS truck long enough to enjoy AC. I mean, I, so let me take that back. Me on my run, yes, because I have 30 minutes in between deliveries. Um, but most drivers only have minutes. 
in between deliveries. So you're never in your package car long enough. In, this is my opinion. You know, there's going to be other drivers out there, you know. But I saw the drivers down in Florida when I was, I went to um, Tampa, went over and went to Barfly and in came a UPS driver while I was sitting there having a margarita. And I got talking to him and, you know, it's brutally hot. And you get, you know, you get stuck in traffic down there. But you open up UPS doors. I mean, I can't do it on my UPS trucks. I have a pickup truck, but a typical UPS truck, you open up the doors, you drive, but you're never in it long enough to really enjoy the AC. So, do you ever know. have dogs try and jump jump in your truck? Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal: develop high quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Oh yeah, every day. I got, I got a guy in my run. He is a big fly fisherman. I actually bought my uh, drift boat from him and he has two labradoodles and... I picked him up, um, like at the end of his driveway, they'll run all the way to the end of the driveway. I'll put my door, I'll jump in, I'll drive him down the driveway or I get in the back of the truck. He lets the dogs out. I mean, he did it last night. I'll open up one, the oldest dog jumps right into the back of the UPS truck and runs around, looks, looks at and smells stuff. A cool thing about my run. And I don't think there's many runs out there that this happens. I can stop and feed deer on my run. Wild deer. If you go to my Instagram and I, in the fall, I backed into this, into back into someone's house to deliver, to get off the road. And I looked to my left and there was a down, a pine had fallen down and there was a buck and it was walking around the tree. It was eating the tree. It walked around, it walked like kind of right to the UPS truck, but went around the front. So I jumped out and I went... And it turned around, walked back to me, smelled my hand, walked down around the UPS truck. I delivered the package. It was down on the lawn. I stuck my hand out again, and I filmed this. And I went, and it ran back to me. I patted its hands. I grabbed its antler. It shook its head and, and galloped off. You're going to have a deer jump in your truck sometime. <laughs> it's it's pretty cool. It's uh it's, it's, you know, it's, it's neat of, you know, and, and that's, that's over in Rockwood. That's over where, uh, so kind of cool thing about the Moosehead Lake area, you have the Moose River, the East Outlet, and then you have Roach River. Those are all phenomenal spring and fall fisheries for trout and salmon. And then there's a lot of ponds around. So the Rockwood over in the Rockwood area, you know, that's, I'm delivering, you know, I'm delivering right on Moose River. And I'm assuming the deer are coming across and, you know, coming down to drink the water. So it's kind of neat. And speaking of the deer, uh, deer and ticks go along with each other. Do you have to worry about ticks and stuff up in Maine? And what about, I always hear about the black flies. I had mosquitoes up there bite me through my, my pants once. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, How so, do you deal with those pests? Yeah. I just, like with the ticks, I just go. I don't. You know, you don't worry about it. I mean, you can't never go outside. You worry about that stuff. 
I think I got Lyme disease several years ago. Like I kind of caught it in the beginning. Uh, I came home one night from work and it was spring and uh, it might've been midsummer. And I, I got home and I thought I was coming down with the flu, chills, aches and pains, you know, shaking all night, cold, couldn't get warm, took ibuprofen in the morning. I was better. Went to work. Ibuprofen would wear off. And I did that for three days. So by Friday, I went to my doctor and going, you know, nowadays you can just look up symptoms online. So I went to my doctor and, and I said, you know, I'm either having the beginning of a heart attack or I got Lyme disease. This is what I can find online. He treated me for, it was in June. Cause I remember not being able to uh, drink at all on a fishing trip with uh, overnight trip with some clients that like to drink. I couldn't drink because I was on the antibiotics for like eight days and it went away. So I never tested positive for Lyme de- disease, um, but I'm always outside. You know, I live on the river. We have a fire pit on the river. We're out there every night. Um, I work outside. I fish outside, you know, at UPS, you know, I'm in a rural area. I run into the woods to use the bathroom to go pee, you know, so I could get ticks on me there. Um, no, not, not there, hopefully. No, not there, but <laughs> <laughs> that's, they do say to, to tick check there because they like to get up into uh, the darker places, I guess. You know, this year was the first year my dog actually have a yellow lab and, you know, she had two or three ticks on her, but. You know, it, you know, you you can't stop living. I guess um, I know Southern Maine. It's a little bit warmer. They have a lot of ticks down there. I'm kind of I'm kind of like mid Maine. I would you know I consider Bangor mid Maine because it's three hours for me to get to Northern Pike from my I mean uh, three hours for me to get to Muskie, which is on the border of Maine and Canada. Um, it's three hours for me to get to Rangeley. You know, so we're kind of centered in the state. Um, it's three hours for me to get stripers. So um, that's why I have guides all over the state because I got people asking, you know, different trips. Black flies, uh, they can be really bad. I was doing a trip on the West Branch with, we had two boats on the river floating. We had them on the river for three days. We were, we floated. So back then we really had no one to shuttle us. So we had two guides. We left a truck at the Pope put in we left a vehicle at the takeout so when we got back to you know we finished for the day we stopped at the you know take took the boats out we ran up to get the second truck we left clients there blacks flies were out came back everyone jumps in the vehicles one of you know they got bit which you know happens dropped them off off at the hotel picked them up in the next morning and one of the wives didn't come because she was sick from so many black fly bites and she came out she came out in the she came out to you know say i'm sorry i'm not going she took off her sunglasses and both her eyes had swollen up to almost closed what was y'all's reaction just like yeah it was like take them off never never seen anything like it she ended up in the emergency room and the he he fished with me the third day he ended up going home with her because she was just so sick and bad from the black fly bites. And that was back with these, you know, these bug shirts that you can buy now. You know, the buffs have, you know, the buffs have the bug stuff in them, um, bug stoppers, which is, you know, I love those shirts. And, you know, I have, I, my web guy took him on the West Branch one time, and it had to be June. That's usually when the black flies, early June, the black flies are out. And he had long hair, and he, under his hair was just blood. His wife actually texted me and wanted to know what I had done to him because... 
you know, the black flies who got them. They don't bother me. I don't know if it's, you know, I put bug spray on or I have bug shirts. They don't necessarily bother me and they don't bother most people. And once you're on the water, they don't usually bother you. It's when you're waiting. So I do on the West Branch for Trout and Salmon, I have a adipose drift boat. And so they're not out there. The mosquitoes aren't out there. It's when you're back on shore is when you're going to, you know, you have the mosquitoes or bugs. And the same thing for bass fishing. You know, there's, you know, at the boat launch, it sucks. You get in the boat, you go, you don't have anything. Maybe occasional moose fly or, a, you know, a horse fly. Moose fly? I've heard of horse flies. Never heard of moose flies. Twice the size of a horse fly. Oh, yeah, I don't want to have to deal with that. A, a normal horse fly is painful enough. Yeah, these things take a actually take a chunk out. Actually, one of the worst things I think are those those uh, what are they called? They have green eyes. They look like a house fly, but they have green eyes and they bite. Know, we get those these things in the boat that just go after your ankle. Yeah, that it looks like a house fly. Right. Oh, we also have no seams. Those you just you got to smoke a cigar. You got to have a bug shirt on, and you got to have um, bug spray on. And you get those in Florida too, right? Yeah, you get. To, oh my God, <laughs> I, I went to we went to Alan Rada last year. A kid that I think he's oh, and he's like uh, what is he twenty one, twenty two? I posted on Instagram. I was going to Alan Rada with my son, and he's like, "Hey, I don't know if you remember me back. I did my uh, my senior project on MainFlyFish.com, um, and you." He goes, "I'm living on a sailboat in Alan Rada." Maybe we can fish together. I'm like, sweet. So he'd work every day, and then we'd go fishing with him at, at night. And I've been going down on Aramarada for years and just trying to do it on myself and rent a boat. And I, I mean, I love hiring a guide, but I, I like learning and trying to figure out this stuff on my own. He said, well, we're going to go into this spot, which I'd driven by, you know, many times and didn't know it was there. And it was this backwater that had tarpon in it. And it got dark. And we had caught some baby tarpon, and it was getting dark. And that was the, I mean, we have them bad in Maine. That was the worst experience of no CMs I've ever had in my life. We had to leave, go eat, and then come back after dark when they were gone. That was, that was brutal. That was just super brutal. Let's talk about show season right now. Yes. Marlboro coming up first? Um, I'm going to... I'm going to go to Marlboro. I'm on HMH Vice's pro staff. And so I'm going to be down there tying. I went down for the first time last year. I mean, we've, we've done Marlboro in the past. My rep, he's done it. Scott Flyrod used to do it. It's kind of got smaller in the years. It's still a good show, especially for New England. And I went down and, and set and tied some uh, pike flies with HMH. Just He's a great, John's a great guy. He's very generous to me, and I wanted to go help him out. And so we took a day and went down, Stace and I, and it was great. Um, the show was great. The booth was packed. I actually booked uh, two guys from the Cape. They came up and did Smallmouth and uh, Northern Pike with me, and they've rebooked for this year. Um, so we're going to go down and do that show. Stace and I, Stace does a lot of stuff with me. I was trying to get her to do the podcast with me this morning, uh, but uh, she had to go, go work. But uh, I think a lot of people come back just to see her. Um, she has a... She has a great, one of those infectious personalities. And so we go down and we do uh, that show. And then uh, we go do Jersey, which is, that's the big show. I know you've been to, now it's in Edison. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not making it this year. You know, Or to Lancaster. No, for, Just logistics this year aren't working out. 
Yeah. Well, we got the Virginia Fly Fishing and Wine Festival this weekend. Last year it snowed and no one showed up. It's going to be about 70 degrees this weekend. Yeah, I've heard that's a great show. I actually was, I actually had uh, it's open container. sent that, I sent that link to uh, Stace yesterday and she's like, perfect, right up our alley, wine and fly fishing. There are booths that have slushy machines where they just pour bottles of wine in them and you get a 20 ounce rosé slushy to walk around with. That's pretty cool. And, I, yeah, and that's I four to, booths away from where I'm tying. I was listening to your podcast, and you, you're, I can't remember who was right beside that booth. Um, I think the girl was, and uh, you were asking her about that slushy. Yeah, I might have to get one this year if it's 70 degrees. Usually it's so cold when the doors open, the temperature just drops in there. But yep. I'll be wearing flip-flops. Yeah. I mean, we love the shows. I mean, a lot of people are like, ah, you know, got to go do a show again. You know, for me, I love talking about, like, doing this. I love this because we're talking about fishing. If I'm not fishing, I'll talk about it. That's, you know, so, you know, we love doing the shows and we get to see everybody. You know, I do the, in Jersey, at Edison, I'm at the Scott Flyrod um, booth. Stace comes to that. She started coming a, a couple years ago with me, and they uh, they welcome her with uh, open arms. So now she comes to every show. It's it's the the crew at uh, Scott Fly Rods are they fish you know they they're all fishy they're they're all great people very fortunate to be part of that team so we look forward to it it's a little vacation for us to get away and then from there we roll into the Bears Den does a show that's a really good Big show one this year too uh, is it thirtieth um, yeah a, they're they're having their huge one Anthony sent me a note to come up. I'm like, dude, that's just too it's, far. I would love to go. It'd be worth it for you to have a booth. Um, he does a great job the way he does it. He, he funnels them. It's like a mini Marlboro show. I, I go down with the the rep. So the rep will be, you know, he'll have Scott, um, Airflow, Galvin, some fly companies, Aqua Waiters. So, you know, he'll uh, be there. So I'll go down there and again, get to talk about fishing uh, we make a weekend of it so we'll we'll go down early saturday morning get there help bob set up stay overnight get up and then we'll go into boston we'll go to quincy market you know go into the big city get some good food and then drive back um and then maine has a our big show would be aldridge brothers fly show that place is he does something unique at that show is you win a fly rod. You win, like, we give away a Scott fly rod. Um, Bob is also a rep of um, Echo, so he gives away an Echo rod. Winston's there. I think Reddington's there. I can't remember who else he sells. He gives away, they give away a rod. So what you have to do, he sets an outdoor casting ring. You cast. You have to cast a fly rod. And then you, you get your name in a drawing once. And so, you you know, everyone gets a shot at winning a fly rod or, you know, something. And he has main, you know, main tires there, tying saltwater flies, trout flies. He has, you know, a few lodges there. It's, it's a crazy show. It's a busy show. You know, you can't pass out a fly rod fast enough. You know, you know, that's, you know, that's a good, that's, that's probably, and then we end it there. And then typically, Stace and I will go to Florida, or my son and I will go to Florida. 
And then we May, April 1st here in Maine, it's usually cold. If you want to fish, you know, with people kind of like the Salmon River, you go to the Grand Lake Stream, opening day. That's kind of a tradition here in Maine. I've never done it. I usually now I chase northern pike because I'm trying to catch one over 40 on a fly. And then I roll into guide season. End of, end of April, I'll start. As soon as the ice is out, um, I'll start guiding for northern pike if I have people that are crazy enough to. What's a pike fly like? Imagine it's got to be very durable. Yeah, it's, I mean, mine's very simple. It's, it's a kind of, you know, uh, the red and white, like a, a daredevil. And, but uh, you can buy, well, you used to be able to buy, I'm pretty sure you still can, Flashaboo, where it comes, it's red and silver in the pack. Pretty simple. I, you know, I tie that on as, as a tail. Then I palmer, palmer some uh, white um, rabbit, crosscut rabbit. And then I put on one of those fish skull heads. I used to epoxy, and then they came up with those fish skull heads, those plastic things, would put a big eye on. And, you know, I try other flies, but, I mean, I catch, I mean, I catch, you know, 20-inch smallmouth while we're out there. If you saw, if you went to Instagram and went back and saw the April trip, Stace, that's, this is why I think a lot of people, you know, <clears throat> come back for the fish with Stace. Stace goes on trips with clients now. Like Scott did a pike trip in the spring and, you know, she was catching 18, 20 inch smallies and she was using, you know, that, you know, McKay, I call it McKay's pike fly. And it's very simple, but you can catch a lot of fish on it. The fish are in the shallows. And once, like as summer goes, they start moving out in the lakes. I'm fishing a lot of flats, you know, shallow areas, some stream, some part of the stream, there's a stream that runs through in different places, um, some deep drop offs. You know, I had a, had a guy last year, that the guys from the Cape, that was a brutal trip. We did smallies, and then we went and did uh, did the pike, and it was blowing It was blowing so hard that they would they would come back in a back cast, and the fly would actually get blown back and hit him in the back. It was blowing so hard. And they got some pike, and I kept on, you know, I kept on telling them, I said, a 36-inch pike will change the day. And... We kept on fishing. They were all like, you know, 24-inch to 27-inch pike, some smallies mixed in. And then the guy said, I tied this perch pattern I wanted to try. I'm like, okay, I got a spot. It's it's a drop-off. It's deeper water. Let's put a sinking line on. And I had the other guy casting to the bank, had him cast in the middle. He's stripping in, stripping in, and I, I make him pause. I don't necessarily do the figure eight like I do with the muskie. But I always make him pause it, at least hang it there in case something's following it. And I'm looking forward, and he's like, I got one. And sure enough, it was a 36-inch uh, um, northern. That was his last fish of the day. He sent me an email afterwards, and he said, you're right, the 36-inch fish changed the day. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, we have, you know, Maine's a cool place. It's, you know, but the, the pike flies, you know, it's, it's very basic. I don't get really fancy with the pike flies. I'm, I might, after I watch the guy catch one on the on the perch fly, I'm gonna I'm gonna change it up a little bit this year. You know, I keep it very simple for people, and it's it's hard casting for people. The northern, you know, same thing with the muskie. You gotta be, I, I think you gotta be a little bit more advanced caster. It's easier for like the salt guys because they're always throwing sinking lines or big flies, or they're throwing into the wind or into the surf for someone that does a lot of nymphing 
or as new to fly fishing. I mean, I've put people on pike that haven't fly fished a lot. It's just, it's harder for them. And I've been very fortunate in my guiding, knock on wood, and I've been told not to say this ever, but I've never been skunked guiding. And I, I'm told many times, do not say that out loud. And I purposely say it out loud to, uh, to see if I can get skunked, but I've come close. I've come close. I had a guy in a remote I take it pond. Personally. Huh? I, it ruins if, if we don't catch a fish, I go home just pissed. I, oh, I would too. I mean, I mean, when it's a slow day, I'm like, what, you know, why'd we only catch 20 smallies and I'll go back out, you know, the back when I had time to go back out, I, I wouldn't sleep at night. So I can't imagine having a day that, I mean, I had a day where we we're remote pond fishing, trying to catch, you know, you know, a three to five pound burke trout and he would pull it away. The guy would pull it away and go, that's a small one. And I'm like, okay, first of all, we got to catch a brook trout. So I can, cause I can continue to say we haven't been scummed on the books and you don't. Yeah. And you don't know if that's a small brook trout. It's, it's like at salmon river. I, I sorry. I'm, I apologize. Jumping all over the place. But that's the way my mind works. Go for it. Uh, at salmon river. I remember like my boys when they're really young, you know, you, you know, when you're there, you're at that in November, there's still Kings in the river. And it would foul hook a king, and we'd just pop it off, break it off. Or, or if you'd happen to foul hook a steelhead, you'd see, see, and they'd pop it off, right? They wouldn't fight it in and kill it. And so I remember a few years ago, my son hooked, he hooked this fish, and it was acting weird. And it was, you know, it was hunkering down. It was, you know, bulldogging. And he's like, oh, I got one, but I, I'm, it's foul hooked. It's, it's a king. And I'm like, just wait. Just wait and see what you have first. Let's, let's see it before you break up. Cause I've seen them break off bear hook steelhead before, especially when they were 11 and 12 and they would, you know, they'd just snap them off file hook, but it wasn't. He ended up catching a 15 pound Brown um, off that gravel bar at the lower fly. My goodness. And, oh, it was, it was a monster. It had a big hook jaw. It was, I mean, he, the kid was, he was, how old was he? He's uh, how old is he now? 20. He must've been 15, 15, 16, 15. 14, I don't remember, and uh, he was just little, young. It was a monster, monster fish, hooting and hollering. But, you know, and people do that. Ah, that's a small smallie. You, you don't know that. You know, you, that's a small salmon. You don't know. Let's, let's see it first, you know. So, you know, I watch people do dry flies, and they'll pull it away because, you know, because they've watched a smaller fish plunk out of the water, and in that same run, they'll hook an 18-inch landlock. But before that, they'll pull it away because they think it's just that small one. It's like let's let's catch the fish first, and then see what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, right? All right, let's uh, let's wrap this up with a couple of, of fishing and non-fishing questions. All right, who's got the best sandwich up where you are, or on your route? Oh, I don't I don't stop and eat, so I don't I don't take breaks. I I. Uh, I like to just go. If I stop and take an hour lunch, I'm usually time flies or fishing. Um, sandwich wise, oh my god, I can't think of it right now. Right in Bangor, it's Stace goes there every Friday and gets a sandwich. I should have had that written down. I don't know. I can't think of it right now. All right, we'll come back. I, I, if, I apologize. You, if you had a time traveling UPS truck, you can go back in time to fish a pristine environment before humans ruined it where would you go oh if i was going to be going back in maine i'd like to see Ringsley 
I mean, right now we have big rookies, but out the you, I mean, there's some conservation uh, conservation issues, you know, through Maine, and one of them is bass over in the rapid area into the into the Rangeley, uh, you know, region. I'd like to see. I mean, we have big bass over there and big salmon, but I would have liked to see Rangeley back in the day when they were real, like Carrie Stevens' time, even. You know, I think I think her fish on the Grey Ghost was maybe eight pounds. My goodness, that could be wrong. It was a monster. All right. Who is your, or I should say, which is your favorite Spice Girl? Ooh, I don't know. I don't know the Spice Girls. The one that's on American Idol. That would be Scary Spice. She's pretty hot. Yes. All right. Uh, do you have any irrational phobias? I have zero phobias that I can think of. None. What do you call the ends on a loaf of bread? That I do not know. The end. Okay. The butt? I'll take butt. What, what, what song, when it comes on the radio, makes you immediately change the station? Ooh, classical. My wife is likes that four non blonde song, and I will punch the radio to turn it off. She's like, but I like that song. I'm like, get out and walk. We're not. It might be uh, what's uh Bieber's new song? That new one there. Uh, He's got Lyme disease. Oh, his new song is Yummy. Yummy, yummy, yummy. That might be a little annoying. Yes, I heard that yes. the other day. Which would win in a fight, a humidifier or dehumidifier? Who would you put money on? Hmm, a D. Okay. It's going to get the water out right before, as it's putting it in, it's going to take it out. There you go. What's something that you won't eat? Hmm, I won't eat. I don't know. I don't know. Um, probably, uh, like pig snout or brain. Yeah, yeah brain. I don't, I, don't, I don't think I'd, I don't think I'd try those. What's a, an item from your fishing gear that if you left at home would just ruin a guide trip or day of fun fishing? That's a good one. I, and I knew that was coming and I didn't even think about it. I'll tell you a quick story. I'd say flies. Quick story, that, that trip where we were on the West Branch and she got uh, bitten by the black flies. Um, when he left that day, so we went into the third day, he left and you know, as a guy to try to have a routine and I had all my stuff in the back of my pickup truck, all my flies and stuff. And when he was getting his stuff, he pushed all the, his, my flies and stuff off to the side. And so the last day we split up the husband and wife and the other guide had gone two days skunked in my boat. We had caught fish. And so we put in, we floated down through some, uh, some rapids. He anchored up behind me and you hear him hooting and hollering she's into fish i had the husband with me he, he had the wife i go to grab my flies they weren't there because i had broken the, the routine of them sitting right in the back by the tailgate were gone and when i was getting the, the anchor and other stuff out i never grabbed looked for the flies assumed i had them and and we're in a snow like going back in this in this section of the west branch i had five flies with me oh no I had a McKay special, which is another streamer, trout streamer I had designed. I think a black stone, a copper john, and it might have been a green caddis worm. And he caught fish 
on with five flies. So I learned two things that day. Never forget your flies, and you don't need that many flies to go fishing. You just need the right flies to go fishing. Yes. Is there a phone app you'd recommend? It doesn't have to be relevant to fishing. I, I only use apps out of necessity. So, you know, like Instagram app, the Facebook app, and I only use those to try to build business. Um, other than that, I, I don't really play games on my phone. Or And I, you wanted to do the Skype, I had to download the app to, to do it because I didn't have the app. I would say Instagram, like everyone else nowadays. Indeed. Who is someone we should follow on social media that we might not be aware of? Ooh, well, that's a hard one. But I get a lot of uh, a lot of friends that are on Instagram. Uh, there's uh, again Elger's Brothers Fly Shop. I do a lot of a lot of business with them. Good friends. Northwest Fly Company, I think they're called North NW Fly Company. Follow them. They do a lot of cool flies. Out um, Western Maine, they have a fly company. I follow them a lot. But I want to do a shout out to some Maine people, uh, Maine fly guys. He's he's kind of he does a blog for me on MaineFlyFish uh, Maine There's a bunch of them that um, that uh, I can't think of right now. Wish you would have sent me that. I would have a list. What are the there's some fly shops that I follow? What is it? All Points Fly Shop, Small Shop in portland um i don't do a lot of work with them um, but nice guy trident fly fishing they're another fly shop trident another fly shop over in winden windum there's some of the fly shops i don't know if they're even on instagram so they're a little bit older school obviously main fishing adventures who else oh i'm looking here on my uh, phone right now who pops up it's main because main fly fish m underscore e fly fish there's some good people do i do a search on main there's a lot of uh, if you're going up to the moosehead lake region uh Chal- chalet moosehead they have a they actually are i think they're the only uh hotel on moosehead they're on instagram now oh you want to see some cool video some cool video is um, oh, we just did a musky film we tried to get into the film tour. Uh, we didn't make it, unfortunately. We uh, we did a musky film and uh, higher elevations. Look them up. He does. If you're into hunting, um, actually look him up on YouTube. Higher elevations. He just put up. Uh, he took his. I think it's his nephew. He just took him on a, a hunt. Um, his dad, his brother, and himself each took him out each day hunting to get his first deer. Um, on a youth hunt in Vermont. But if you like hunting videos and fishing videos, the guy's phenomenal. Sounds good. Anything I forgot to ask you or anything about Maine you wanted to mention? Um, no, I think we hit all the fish, didn't we? Yeah. We, hit, we got musky. I just started a website, uh, mainemusky.com, because I am, I am trying to book... Right now, I'm just taking my own personal clients out that want to experiment with muskie, people I know that can fish. But eventually, that hopefully is going to grow to some guided trips up there. I have a week booked up there right now with uh, one of my clients. But I do have muskie guides up that I, I refer clients to or new clients to in Fort Kent area. 
but we have a duo phenomenal uh, musky. Um, we filmed for when we went up and filmed. We filmed in October and we filmed in July this year. And in six days of filming, we had eighty follows. What? Jeez, that's pretty nuts. It's, yeah, if you look in uh, American Angler right now, Maine Flag Guy, he just had an article come out um, in American Angler about Maine Muskie. Drake Magazine, in, uh, how do you say his last name, Broad? He uh, he's uh, he writes a lot for the, the Drake Magazine. He did an article on Maine Muskie. I took a client up for three days, one of my existing clients. He wanted to try it. We went up um, last September and in two and a half days, he had 19 follows, and he had two hookups. Lost him at the boat. I don't consider that a skunk because he did have him on. And if he didn't, musky to me is follows. I don't. I don't know if you've done the musky game yet, but it's 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 the most. I mean, I list. I've been listening to different podcasts. I always I always kind of go towards if I hear a musky podcast or a car car. I didn't mention carp. Maine has monster carp. No one fishes for them. I'm not going to say where they are, but Maine has giant carp. I've seen them. I've had them come to fly. I haven't caught one yet. The carp coming to your fly and the muskie coming to my fly at the boat is probably the most exciting fishing I've done. It's it's amazing. I do like some some carp on the fly. I haven't caught one yet, and and I try to do everything in Maine. Like, it's just because I know, it, like, I wanted, you know, I can go anywhere and catch pike, but I wanted to catch, I want to do it in Maine. Muskie, you can go, I mean, you know, a lot of people doing muskie now, but I want to do one in Maine, and I wanted to get one over 40. The state record's 48 inches, you know, so I caught a 42 last year on a fly. Um, and I don't, and those weren't on flies. The 48s weren't. There's two, two state records, and they within pounds of each other and uh they weren't on a fly i'd try to do whatever i'm going to do on the fly first and, um, and then kind of branch up from there that's my next goal is to catch a, a carp in maine on a fly right on very cool all right so people should be looking for a shorter vin diesel at the upcoming shows or taller vin diesel that's right taller vin diesel yeah i guess you couldn't have a shorter vin diesel you said no, you're in the six foot range yeah, normally I have a hat on and I wear glasses, but uh, yeah, come to HMH booth in Marlborough or come to the Scott booth in uh, Edison, New Jersey, and usually I can't shut up. Stace will have to hit me because I get talking about fishing in the booth, and as a, you know, as you you know, someone will ask me a question about a rod, and I use this rod for that, and then uh, then as you see, I jump all over the place because I get I still get excited. I've been guiding for 17 years, fishing for 20, and I get excited when I talk about it. Hopefully you could hear that when, when I talk. So Absolutely. Yes. Still love it. Very cool. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day and educating us about Maine and what you do. Hey, I appreciate it. Uh, you have a great podcast. I, I've been uh, binging on it uh, the last couple of days, thinking, uh, wanting to know uh, what questions you were going to ask. You have some great guests on there. And uh, I actually liked, uh, I listened to that one at Christmas, the Pennsylvania one. Yeah. Um, it's kind of, it's, uh, I, I kind of, I like the interview ones, but I kind of like listening to your story of fishing and meeting the guy in the river and then catching that really pretty steelhead. So that fish, if I don't catch another fish, I'm good. Yeah. That, yeah. You that said steelhead. that. And then we just cannot let my father on father-in-law know 
that that fish went home with someone he got eaten because I've never brought him a trout or steelhead before, <laughs> and yeah. he would be very I've, upset. I've never, I've never kept one out there, but I, I mean, I understand why you did it. You know, if you know he he helped you and uh, you know and put a meal on someone's table. Of, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I do all catch and release, but I, I don't frown on you know people following the law and and doing what they want to do. Absolutely. All right, Kevin, go warm up and. Hopefully the people at Duncan haven't been staring at you thinking you're talking to yourself this whole time. Uh, they probably do. They, they, I usually have an earpiece in talking to someone. Hey, that uh, the best sandwich rest place in uh, the Bangor area? Yes. Harvest Moon. Harvest Moon. All right. Yep. That's the that's a incredible sandwiches. And all these sandwiches, I think, are named after, like, uh, um, music people. So that would be... Uh, uh, like, the, like the Bob Dylan or... You know what I mean? All the sandwiches. Is the place named after uh, on this harvest moon? Neil Young. Could, it could be. It All could right. be. We have old records on the wall and stuff. And, and I've, I've only been there several times. I know Stace goes every, every Friday. Friday. That's her uh, her treat um, for the week. But uh, I've been there a couple times, and I've kind of noticed, like I said, all, this, all the sandwiches are named after uh, you know music people. So harvest moon, there you go. Right on, dude. All right, well, thanks again. Thank you for having me. All right, cheers. Take care. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. This podcast is brought to you by Freestone Productions at freestoneproductions.com. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.